there are some things that require complexity. But to do lunges and to like chew broccoli slowly, it's not that complex. Hey everyone, I'm Morgan, co-founder of Primal Kitchen and host of the Primal Kitchen podcast. Today we're speaking with OPEX fitness founder, James Fitzgerald. James and his business are on a mission to be the best education provider for fitness coaches seeking career success, longevity, and fulfillment. They meet their mission by increasing the value of each coach through education, fitness business mentorship, and providing tools coaches need to professionalize their passion. James even put his coaching advice into his own hands and became the fittest man on earth by winning the inaugural CrossFit Games in 2007. Before we talk CrossFit, fitness, and coaching, a brief reminder that any and all opinions and views shared by hosts and guests on this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the view of Primal Kitchen or its affiliates or parent company. Hi, James. How are you? Hi. It's a pleasure to meet you, Morgan. Yeah, you as well. We're super excited to have you. I cannot wait to hear your story. This is this is crazy. So I'm talking to one of the fittest men on earth. This is a big title. Yeah, previously it was. Uh, <laughs> previously. I was the fittest amongst a uh, hundred in 2007, and somehow that escalated into the world. But I'll take it. I'll yeah, take you got to take. You got to take those things when they come. So give me That's the right. lowdown. How did you get into fitness and CrossFit and all the things? Yeah, I was. I was a young kid who was active. Um, and I lived in a Northern community in Canada and, uh, the way I saw it now that I'm looking back, you basically had two options. You can go down the, I guess the less, uh, physically expressive, inspiring path, or you could go down the physical expression path, which would be sport and being active all the time. And I basically did that. Um, and so that, that transformed into wanting to learn more about it as I aged and, uh, did the usual you know, the conformist, um, you know, process of, uh, aging. And then you got to go to post-secondary education and then you got to have a house and dog and then all along the way, I've, I've been in a part of fitness with that. So, um, it came from being a young kid who was active and it just turned into something that I wanted to tell others about really. Fabulous. And you, what sport were you, were you doing all the sports growing up? Yeah. Yeah. All of them. Uh, I, uh, specialized more so uh, with soccer and hockey um, towards the latter part of my high school career. But uh, I always loved doing it, which is why, you know, I loved fitness, I think, in the end, because I just like trying to be good at a whole bunch of things. Yeah, for sure. And so do you think Mm -hmm. like growing up, this was instrumental in kind of keeping you out of trouble? Or you said you can go like one of two. I'm the mom of two boys with a third boy on the way. So I need like all the tips on how you feel like that (laughs) influenced your early childhood. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I'd hesitate to say that my path would be something that could be role modeled. Uh, I think that, you know, this, remember this was like the, uh, late seventies, um, and the early eighties in uh, a town of 3000 in Northern Canada. So that kind of, that kind of lays out exactly what the upbringing was, you know, the, yeah. this town was kind of brought together by, uh, iron ore and, uh, and natural resources from the ground. So, uh, and just give you an idea, you, you know, you would freeze to death if you went outside, you know, during, you know, six, seven months of the year. So, uh, that to, to answer your question lengthily, I think that has to be preempted to that, you know, you really did only have two options. You, you, you went to the hockey rink or the rec center, or you got into trouble. So I think it was just those two things. And I, I think yes, uh, the you know staying active and and uh, trying to continually challenge myself amongst my peers, I think uh, kept me on the straight and narrow. Yeah, 
And so then how did this evolve? Did you go to school in Canada for college? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I went to uh, Memorial University of Newfoundland. Uh, it's a uh, university um, in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, which is the uh, capital of the province of Newfoundland, Labrador. And uh, I did uh, uh, some more detailed, I guess, at the time, whatever you could do to analyze whatever this thing is that's called physical expression, you know, science or the physical sciences. And, um, and I finished there and then moved to Calgary and started my, my vocation, I guess you could say after that. Okay. So what vocation did you start? Like, what would you get into? first? Yeah. Well, this is the, this is the rub for today that maybe we can get into talking about the fitness, you know, landscape. Uh, there's no real language on what I was, you know, I guess at the time I was called a personal trainer. I was certified as a strength and conditioning consultant. Um, but deep in my heart, I was, but I couldn't put language to it at the time I was a vitality consultant. So a consultant for someone who wanted to somehow, you know, participate in nourishing themselves so they could navigate this planet for as best as possible. Right. But I, I didn't have any language for that when I was, you know, yeah. in my early ages, but, but it was called, you know, it was called that at the time. Yeah. So since, since the mid nineties, that's, that's been my title, whatever that is, you know, uh, life and lifestyle and fitness consultant, et cetera. Yeah. And so when you say that like vitality, like it encompasses so much more than just like the title of personal trainer. So like what things went yeah. into that? What things went into that? Like if I were yeah. to hire you, what goes into that? Yeah. The, uh, well, to, to get you, well, to kind of figure out, first of all, uh, where you sit on, you know, your perception of what vitality means. Um, I want to figure out, you know, not just from you, but you asked for you. I want to, I want to figure out from you, you know, how do you see the world with regards to vitality and, and uh, what it can offer you? And then, you know, I, I would bucket it from my training and education, which we do in CCP, into... Uh, behavior and exercise and nutrition as the three pillars of prescription that I'm going to kind of, you know, you and I are going to go back and forth on, right? Like, what are your behaviors and your actions day to day? What what are you participating in, in the movement, physical expression exercise? And then how are you nourishing yourself with the information that you put into your mouth, right? Um, and I'm going to try to, back to answer your question, I'm going to try to get you on board of, uh, um, of you trying to figure out for yourself what are the best things that you need to participate in today so that it gets you started on the pathway towards the best you can possibly be in behavior, exercise, and nutrition. So that culminates in a definition, which if you stretch it out for 80 years, results in what I define as vitality. It's someone's continual uh, search for their best expression of themselves, physically cognitively, emotionally. Um, and I think you can do that. Um, if people are given what I would call, uh, the freedom to, uh, to like think about those things and the freedom to have conversations with people. And that's what we try to get coaches to do. So So cool. So you started working with people individually and then when did OPEX fitness come into the game? Yeah, well, OPEX was kind of there all the time, except without naming, you know, so the, I started the, the naming of the business in 99, and that's why we say we've been in fitness since 99, but I was doing whatever that was as James Fitzgerald prior to that. It's just that that's when I started the business. It was called OPT. We moved to Arizona in 2011, 
and OPT was used as a personal training concept down here. Um, it wasn't trademarked, but we didn't want to do the back and forth of right of first usage and all that. So we had to change our name. So it's been it's been OPT OPEX, quote unquote, for for that period of time. Yeah, cool. since 99. And the focus shifted. Are you like more to helping coaches or are you still more helping individuals? Yeah, yeah. Good question. I think it's the uh, I'm not sure really if it's going to be the con- the future evolution of, of a coach. Um you know, into mastery and, and et cetera, where that goes. But I've been very grateful that that was my path. I think though, you know, worlds colliding or different, you know, things colliding in culture, the, the rays of information technology, the, the dot-com boom, um, you know, at the end of the nineties, coaches were seen as this like real, you know, big big emblem in society as someone who's going to be a consultant that's going to help you with all the things that you want to do towards vitality, et cetera. Um, and through that coaching, yes, I was coaching a lot of people in person for that period of time, late nineties till, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010. And then at the same time, I started to see that a lot of people were asking about why essentially one question, but there was a lot of questions like, why, why did I enjoy my job so much? You know, Cause it was kind of at the point in time where, you know, a lot of my clients would look at my profession and where I stood in the community and say, gosh, you know, there, there's some kind of secret ingredient as to what you're doing and what, why you're enjoying what you're doing. Um, and of course, with those questions just starts to, you know, uh, culminate in me putting together an education program to like answer those questions. Like, well, yeah. what would I do if I was to help another coach? try to get into the same position and enjoy the things that I do inside of fitness. And that's why, where I started uh, the CCP, which would be like the second half of that career that I just gave you of being, you know, in person all the time and then educating coaches to kind of, you know, have a, have a larger impact, I guess, or make the attempt to have a larger impact. Yeah. So God, so many things I want to get into like the modalities on the program. I want to talk across it, but Mm. at first I'm curious on this topic of, um, just enjoying your job. Like, tell me more about that. Like you, have you just always loved what you do? Have you known you always wanted to go this path? Like, yeah, because uh, you know, we've got this great resignation upon I, us and everybody's. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I, um, you know, I do think a lot about vocation. Um, and I think it's just because of who, what I do today, which is coach a lot of coaches and the entrepreneurism and marketing and, you know, all the things are inside of that for economy. So I think about a lot, I don't know if I can answer your question though, um, you know, succinctly by saying that I thought about it. I, I really didn't. I uh, I don't know if my brain was was developed enough, honestly, <laughs> at the time to uh, to kind of think about that. Do you know what I mean by that? Like it's you know I'm just I'm just doing what you kind of just know, fell into I, it. It wasn't like some predetermined. This is going to be my path. No, I know what I want to do for oh life. Gosh, kind of followed the signs. Yeah, gosh, I think the only I think the only paper trail we could probably connect is physical expression, right? Like as a young kid, you know, yeah. I loved, you know, doing the suicide sprints on the ice rink at the end of practice. Like I love taking on other people. So there's something there's something in that, right? That I tried to like maybe develop myself more out of or express myself to a level that I could learn about myself, right? And then, you know, I think that kind of maybe stepwise led to that, but but I can't be sure. Um, and I, I forget what the, what the first part of your question was, but, um, I don't, I don't, 
I, yes, I, yes, I, I, I have always enjoyed it. Um, I have always enjoyed it. There's been lots of, uh, but the cha- the challenges. There's not challenge, but the, the challenges have always been, you know, uh, met with like, oh, that's this is a good challenge, you know, as opposed to like, oh my god, that's such a challenge. Yeah. Uh, so I think I've always enjoyed it, um, and I wouldn't want to, you know, uh, make any generalized statements to say that uh, you just got to believe and you know just put your head down and hustle and things will work out. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, I think that. Uh, I think I've always enjoyed it though. Yeah. Okay. So if you don't, I, I think about this question a lot, right? Because I kind of, stum- I had an underlying thread maybe similarly to like nutrition and got into that. Mm-hmm. And then I fell into meeting Mark and then into my, like, you know, my, I love my job too, right? I run this food company mm-hmm. that I'm super passionate about and I get to do marketing and innovation and sales and all these things. It's amazing. But I often think about this, like you said, you know, oh, just do the hard work and everything works out in the end. Like what, you know, if, if it isn't that, like, what is it then that brings mm-hmm. you to a place where you have success and meaning and purpose in your life and you like your job? Like, what do you think it was then for you? <laughs> Jeez, that's a, <laughs> that's a deep, that's a deep question. Yeah. <laughs> um, my parents, <laughs> my mom's mitochondria. I don't know. Um, I like it. Shout out yeah, to I, mitochondria. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, shout out to my mama. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I think uh yeah, I think that was Yeah, I think that was it. It was my upbringing, really. That's what kind of set the tone for, you know, what lay what laid out in front of me. And I think I've kind of if it, if it makes sense to say it this way, I think after I it, my mid 20s, I kind of became aware and then took the reins yeah. from what Does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah. But what, did, what in particular about the upbringing? Like, I'm very curious. Oh yeah. Um, geez, let's see here. Um, uh, stability, you know, I, I, and I say that only now as a, as a father of two young girls, uh, 15 and, uh, and 12. Um, so stability, um, rhythm, um, uh, let's call it security. Um, uh, you know, the, how I, how I describe what nourishment means and nourishing, not, not just, you know, uh, emotional nourishment, but a place for at least conversation on nourishment. Yeah. Uh, uh product placement here, craft peanut butter. Oh, <laughs> There's really? lots of craft peanut butter. Peanut butter. God, I like it. <laughs> uh, this, um, I'm not sidewinding here, but I just want to make mention that you, you and I are connected in, in deeper ways than, you know, that my upbringing was based on, uh, craft peanut butter. And now my existence is all about primal mayo. So we are connected with these, with yes. these long threads for a long period of time. Um, but I think it was those things. Um, I think they, I think my, my, uh, not just my parents, but the community too, they, uh, had, I guess you would, you would call it like a, a traditional, old you know older version of the the community spirit uh which you got you knew everyone and uh you were able to you know uh meet challenges head on face to face with you know you know uh you know uh problems were dissolved in church and problems were dissolved in the community hall uh face to face with people 
Mm-hmm. Um, this was on, this is on no base supported technology. So I'm just trying to, I'm just yeah. trying to bulk in what you asked, oh, right? It's like, well, what are those things in the upbringing? I think it was some of those things that, yeah. that kind of set the tone. Yeah. Well, yeah. And allowed you to have the confidence because there's a lot of people, men and women who enjoy doing suicide sprints or whatever else, right? At yes. high school, but then they go on to get office desk jobs they hate, right? And then they maybe start training yeah. with you in their thirties and they quit their jobs and like have a career change and whatnot. So I think it takes a lot mm. to like break the mold at a, right out of school, you know, I mean, really for have sure. to know yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I see where you're going there. I, th- I think, um, you know, it's, it's probably the timing too. Like, I mean, that was the early nineties, right? So I think in the early nineties, um, if I, if I think back to it, uh, for what it was like in Canada, I mean, the industry, quote unquote, the health and fitness industry, it was ripe for, for the picking, right? There was so much work to go around for everyone. Um, so that's also something to take into consideration there that, uh, um, you, you had, you could choose a lot. And to your previous point of the person who just gets the desk job, um, maybe in their case or in other cases, there's just not a lot of options. So they kind of got to, you know, get into a path. And then there's the whole other area, which I'm not sure if you're, you know, offline because it's lengthy to discuss is the whole educational complex, right? The and wow. epistemology and knowledge and like how that fits in quote unquote to society and simplicity versus complexity in academia. Like that that's an area that I'm very really interested in because I'm an educator, right? I'm a public educator and I'm trying to I'm trying to educate other humans on these really simple things, right? But a lot of time what gets in the way of those simple things is people wanting to make it complex um, because they can make money off that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's mm. big in the health and fitness world. <laughs> it's big in the universe right now. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. We're living that, aren't we? Yeah. Well, we, you know, we, we want to be careful there too, is there, there are some things that require complexity, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, brain surgery, um, you know, building a bridge, um, uh, you know, creating electricity for a home. Um, like there's, I could go a list, list of things that do require like, you know, tenure and six to 12 years of like nonstop practice. Right. But, uh, but to do lunges and to like chew broccoli slowly, it's not that complex. Yeah. It's not that complex. Yeah. How have we gotten here? I feel like, geez, I mean, we really have complicated the hell out of fitness and nutrition. Yeah. Well, I think in the, in the nineties, I was part of that movement that, that made it something, right. I, I was part of the movement that created a commercial interest, uh, in this knowledge around physical autonomy and physical freedom and being able to nourish oneself. I think if you go back, you know, long enough to, I'll just take this short model in time, but I think in the, you know, which, which some people would argue like from the six sixties into the seventies, it was, you know, now that I'm in America, it's probably some of the best times to be alive in America. There's so many positive things and change happening in culture, et cetera. And, uh, and at those times inside of education, there was, you know, even, even a, I wouldn't say significant, but there was a considerable amount of uh, education inside schooling for nourishment, right? So physical education wasn't, let's just see how many free, free throws you can hit. And that's how we score you. It was about movement, right? Like, we would have movement physical standards and we would have movement play and movement practice. Yeah. Right. And, and, and no one was questioning like, well, geez, how are we going to test these kids? It's like, that's not, that's not what movement yeah. is about. Right. It's to allow them to, and then secondary, uh, you know, what we used to call in Canada, home economics. I don't even know why it was called that, but home ec classes. I did that for six years from grade six to 12. 
right? Learned how to bake foods, learned how to build yeah. a shirt, learned, learned, uh, learned, learned woodworking. But I mean, just think about that. Like these were things that were embedded that allowed you to do what? That allowed you at 18 to like step out of school and live, right? Yeah, I know. So I think, I think the nineties, I was a part of that group inside of health and fitness that, that went like this. We're like, Ooh, we can make this really complex with all this, these things that we seemingly think are really important. Um, and, uh, and make people want it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and then of course we take away movement for young kids. We take away nourishment for kids in the schooling. And now you have billions of people who are like, well, geez, what should I do for fitness? You know? Yeah. And here am I, I'm like, oh, I can tell you cause yeah. I'm so smart. Cause I did all this academia, you know, based upon it. So it, it's that, um, secondly too, is, you know, when you start when you start tiptoeing into like making something seemingly really important, I'll give you the example, you know, especially in exercise and it's not the only one, but you know, the VO two max, right? So the VO two max and the testing of it, it, it moved outside of the lab and it moved into culture, right? And people were like, well, this is really cool. And as soon as people got word that it was kind of cool, more or less, then of course, medicine can look at it. If medicine looks at it, then they're like, oh, wow, we could basically market this as being a panacea for like taking care of heart disease. And like, this is what people need to focus on. So what you see started to happen there was that this concept of VO2 max, which I said, you know, previous, there's like 30 different things of this inside of exercise, but we moved that out into culture and fitness culture. And now what we had was these pillars of, you need to do VO2 max because it's going to keep you from having heart disease. And you're going to do VO2 max training because you can be an athlete and be just like the world's best endurance athlete. And so it's, now these are the two big marketing ploys that we use to, to throw on top of people for fitness. And, and the fitness consumers, they're like, oh, I guess I'm doing this because I want to perform or I don't want to not get fat. And look, look back, it's like, that's not even the intentions to do it. Yeah. So you can just see how that just like, and now there's institutions and there's VO2 max academic academics, right? 20 years of research on that stuff, which for, for which for some small part, I'm sorry to be linked on that, but for some small part, you know, it is good for performance for the, for the endurance athlete, you know, that wants to win something, but how that carries over to vitality, you know, it just, so I'm hoping I can give some insight into the, how we've made some things or one thing ridiculously complex, yeah. ridiculously think, complex. I think there's a third group of people that is like, okay, I want to get in shape, but like, oh, I have to do this VO2 maxing. I don't understand this. And then they're just like, fuck it. I'm just going to eat my right. McDonald's and like go for a walk maybe, but I don't even want in on this game. because This is way too complicated for me. It's a turn. Well, yeah, no, it's this, it's the, that's the classification of people that I was saying are, ha, have, have uh, unconsciously uh, not been aware that there are options of freedom. Yeah. Right. You, you know what I mean? Like, so, so for me to tell coaches this, it's super simple for me to sit behind a screen and just like tell coaches this, right. Cause I can see some things from history and experiences, but for coaches to get that across Morgan to humans out there, man, <laughs> yeah. that's a, like, it's, I almost pause and like get really pessimistic on the, the outlook for it because it's a really tough journey because the systems and the institutions are not set up to honor this, this process of, 
you know, having good conversation on, as I said to you, right, what is your perception of what vitality is? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And because immediately people are like, oh, you're supposed to do this because this will not kill you, right? It's like, oh, gosh, you know, <laughs> how do we rewind that one back? Yeah. It's like, actually, no, we're just going to exercise because we can and because it's for you. How about that? And people can't get that. They can't. They can't understand it. Yeah. So you've been talking a lot about simplicity. Like, how do you break it down then? Nutrition wise, fitness wise, and yeah. I guess the behavior stuff you talked about, like give it to me. Then, yeah. Simply. Yeah. You, yeah. Well, you start with uh, those three buckets uh, of behavior, exercise, and nutrition. Um, and uh, you create simple language. And uh, then the simple language, you know, for each of those pillars allows people to, um, you know, the, the clients to ask harder questions um, or, or, or more, let's call it inquisitive, you know, things about it. And then, then I like to say, then you're on your way. Because if you, if you have simple language that people either retort at, disagree with, or like just can't get it, at least they're going to ask a secondary question, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, tell me more. Or I actually, I disagree. What about this? You, you Then you're on your way because now you're into this like back and forth and trying to come up with what you what you believe to be, you know, the right path. Yeah. So, you know, simple things for exercise is, uh, uh, we'd say patterns of movement one day, and I'm going to, you know, use this as a little experimentation to see what you think about that, to see if it's simple enough. Um, but we say patterns one day and pacing another day. And what that means is that you're going to do resistance one day and you're going to do aerobic work another day. And then I just, I just pause. Um, and I, and I tell people, you know, based upon this premise that we want to do exercise and move every day forever, you're going to press replay on that and you're going to do it for the rest of your life. And I'll just pause there and, and stop and say, so what's your thoughts on that? And then with their questions back, at least it gives me an idea as to where they sit on their journey towards like making it as simple as possible. So if someone is you know, just out of college with a kinesiology degree and finished a division one sport, you can imagine what they're going to ask in the next question, right? If I just say something as, oh, you just do resistance one day and easy aerobic work the next and press repeat, you know, and get out, that young student is going to be like, well, what about, you know, blood pressure cuff optimization of, you know, mitochondrial biogenesis at the, you know, and so at least you know, and so now I can see based upon that secondary question where they sit on their perception and their awareness of how far they are away from making things simple. So that was for the exercise patterns and pacing. Uh, for nutrition, we use this idea of local natural foods sourced from the earth and start with that as a premise um, and then go from there. Um, and then for behaviors, we talk about, well, it's based upon what your perceptions are because your perceptions are going to lead into your behaviors, which then lead into your actions. So we start with perception, you know, asking a question like as a start, uh, under that behavior pillar, you know, where do you sit on this awareness of things of your life of fitness of, you know, how you deal with adversity, how you deal with change, you know, how you deal with learning, et cetera. Uh, so perception envelops all that. So those are the three simple pieces. Behavior, we would talk about perception. Exercise, we talk about pacing and patterns. And then nutrition, we talk about local, you know, earth sourced uh, fuel. Very cool. I love it. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. And it's definitely is simplified and I could see how it opens up a nice conversation. So for you personally, and then I want to get into, Mm. I want to know about, I want to know where CrossFit comes into the picture here, but for you personally, we don't need to talk about that. Oh, come on. What is the other stuff's more important? What does the current routine look like? Like what's your, what are, what's your, what are you doing? Everyone wants to know what, like a, you know, fittest man on earth, what his routine looks like. God, it's been like 13 years or something crazy since, wasn't it 2007 yeah, when right. we won the fittest man on earth? Yeah. So it's been a while. Yeah. What? 14 years. 14 yeah. years. Yeah. So, so it's definitely different today than what I did then. I'll tell you that. Um, I want to hear both. I want to hear both, by the way. You okay. Both. Yeah. I can make it, well, I can make it really simple because I speak about that a lot of the demarcation between sport versus vitality and they're by no means similar and they both have different outcomes and they have different intentions. So, um, to make it simple, when I was competing, I wanted to kill things, right? I wanted to kill the time. I wanted to kill the clock. I wanted to kill the barbell. I wanted to beat other people. Like, you know, I wanted to trip people up in order to win. You know, I didn't actually want to, but I really did want to, mm-hmm. you know, um, I also wouldn't feel bad if people got hurt in competition. Um, and I'm trying to give you just an idea that a lot of people don't get some insight into the difference between sport versus vitality. So I wanted to basically, you know, claw you, right. I wanted, I wanted to hurt you and I wanted to beat you. Um, and that's what was inside sport. So what I did for training at that point in time had nothing to do with keeping me vital for the rest of my life. It had to do with beating other people, yeah, beating the clock, getting faster, lifting more, et cetera. So I would do whatever it takes basically to make that happen. So that would include training three times a day, doing extra supplementary activity, you know, et cetera, et cetera, you know, burning all your resources because it requires a whole bunch of stuff in order to compete. Mm-hmm. Right. So for today, um, I want to move every day for the rest of my life. I'm 47. I'm going to be 48 in a couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, without anyone else having a good analysis or assessment of that, I think mechanically, I probably got another 25 to 30 years in me that, you know, before I'm either relying on robot part, robot parts, or, you know, I'm really going to have to take a, a real good look as to how mechanically head to toe, I'm going to be able to, to, uh, survive and stay functional. So I got really, you know, 25 to 30 years left where I want to enjoy movement with those around me. And I want to move every day because I love it. It's an opportunity for me to, to uh, meditate on things and, and to continually to connect to that, you know, young kid around physical expression and learning about myself and et cetera. Um, it also, you know, keeps me from being restless. It also keeps me from, you know, getting into trouble. Um, and uh, I want to do that. And for my kids, and my wife, and also for my kids' kids in the future, um, I want to be able to, you know, kneel down, have that young kid run at me, and be able to pick them up and throw them overhead. Um, and so that's the, that's the the differing demarcating lines of thought when you ask the question, well, what do I do? Yeah. Well, I do the basic things, uh, you know, resistance one day, aerobic work the next day, and I just press repeat on that so I can do things for the rest of my life. So are you every other day you're doing you're doing something every day? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes multiple things a day. Okay. You don't like, no, it's a, where you're like, oh, I'm supposed to do resistance. Today. I don't feel like lifting. No, no. No. Again, the, uh, the whole concept, again, it's, it's lengthy, but, uh, the whole concept of, um, you know, our language, just like with you and I talking now, you and I both have to learn that 
you know, where did, where did we come up with this language that says day off, right? right? Where does that come from? That comes from a performance model, right? Because all you're looking to do is to, you know, pump yourself with enough protein so that you can put more muscle back on and you got to give it enough rest so that you can come back and lift again to break muscle protein down to build. You see, now you're down this like 15 year road on hypertrophy yeah. and you just like, oh, day off. It's like, what do you mean by that? Right. Yeah. And if you, if, so th th that's just an example of the language that is so hard to shake, right. In regards to moving every day, you know, so when someone, some, someone says, well, you know, uh, should we move every day? My, my quick answer is you're damn right. You should move every day because you can, and because it's for you. Right. And you're not doing it for any other reasons. You're not doing it to learn, lose fat. You're not doing it to build muscle. Um, you're doing it because we humans are capable of doing it. I think the big, I think the big struggle with that to continue on with that, not even with you asking about it, the big struggle with it is that Morgan, if you, you and others haven't realized we don't have a functional need to move, right? We actually don't need to like the daily practices that we embark on. So for you, and I'm not going to say this is an eight hour day for you, but for you to market or for you to do meetings, right? you actually don't need to do physical training to actually perform those things. Yeah, no. That's so just take, just take that example and then think about all the jobs all over the world, right? There's probably 0.03% of all vocations that actually require some physical training to allow people to do their jobs, right? So you can just see this, the struggle there. Yeah. Is that, well, what's the other choice? Well, you choose Peloton, right? You choose, you choose a cortisol inducing high intensity class four times a week, right? right? That's what you choose. And then you just say, oh, I do it because uh, I don't know, that's what you should do, right? right? Like, no, that's, that can't be the reason why you do it. Yeah. So this is our struggle today is to figure out how do we put like physical expression in place for the right intentions, you know? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I loved waitressing because I was on my feet for so long and you're just running, you know, you're rushing around and you're moving your body. I think that was something I struggled with in my twenties. I'm like, Oh God, like sitting behind a computer, even with COVID, like before COVID I would take calls and I would go walk all the time. I would just walk and be mm -hmm. on the phone. And then everyone started video conferencing. And I was like, this is the end of me. Like I complain mm -hmm. about it to my team all the time because you're stuck glued to the computer. It's brutal. Yeah. 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 There's something, yeah, there's something about that. My wife did that as well for a number of years. She says the exact same thing. That's great. Uh, we always philosophically <laughs> debate if it was just because she needed to stay on the move, uh, you know, cause she's that type of person, right. For productivity and being active, et cetera. Or was it just something that, you know, she enjoyed. Um, and then second, yeah, for the, you know, that's another thing we got to, you know, contend ourselves with is the impending metaverse um, as not only being, you know, a platform. Um, and I use metaverse with the small M, um, not necessarily the company, but it is going to be an example of where a lot of people are moving. And this is the, this is the big, you know, grip is, you know, we're just uh, continually setting up human adaptation to move less yet. We have unbelievably more access to pleasurable, high calorie, foods. Yeah. Um, so it's, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to proposition. And I can tell you the answer to it is not to make people move more intensely or to make them move unconsciously. 
that's not going to be the answer. Everyone thinks that's the answer. And a lot of other people think that it's, well, everyone thinks it's the, the one minute, you know, high intensity research that's going to get, you know, everyone um, out of this, like, let's call it a, a dark, dark phase of, uh, of um, a, a lack of movement. I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, you know, if, if you look around and say, well, what's the promotion of any of the companies and what are they actually promoting for activity today? It's, it's a, a body objectification on the front end. It's um, uh, a tone of like, if you don't hustle and work hard and go all out, then you're not worth anything. Um, and all your answers and all your woes are answered inside of intensity, right? Even, even the white collar medical professional who's never worked out a day in their life are making recommendations to clients as they walk out the door oh, you should look into this high intensity interval training, mm-hmm. right? So they don't even have a clue what they're talking about, but it's, it's seeped into the language, into the culture, mm-hmm. right? So uh, that's what I mean. That is not the answer to what my previous uh, point was yeah. on the issues. Yeah, you know, the, you know what the answer is, is I think is people's, uh, people taking responsibility for the knowledge of their own physical freedom. That's what I think is the answer to that. Um, and then we can just let the cards play out where they may, but don't tell me that people don't know, or they can't get the information around physical freedom and what those pillars that I talked about of, you know, um, you know, a- adaptive thoughts and patterns and pacing and nourishing, uh, yourself locally. Those things are right in front of people. It's just yeah. getting it to them. Yeah, for sure. And everyone's burnt out and there's, yeah, I mean, it is about priorities and really like, Yeah. 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 Well, we thought that, you know, we thought that uh, on that point on priorities, we thought that this COVID thing would, uh, uh, would really make people uh, think about what really matters, like on a really, really deep level, what really matters. Um, But it didn't in the fitness universe. Instead, in the fitness universe, uh, we just discovered that we are at the behest of technology and uh, they are really ramping things up to kill fitness coaches and to kill the human fitness coach and to make, you know, all that, uh, knowledge and information on individualization, uh, down to, a you know, a, a Peloton screen or an Apple fitness screen TV, uh, where you just do one minute of some kind of high intensity thing. And on the other end is a robot, um, or one person with a VR and, uh, everyone thinks they're, you know, getting healthy. That's, that's, that's where I saw things going. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Well, these tech stocks are having a hell of a time this week. So maybe they're going to wake up <laughs> and realize in the end of the day, it still is human to human relationships, folks. Like there's just not much we can do to replace that, but it's hard, you know, like, I mean, I'm someone who definitely prioritizes my health, right? Like I, I mean, you know, I work in this industry. I've like tried everything. I have like therapists. I'm like all about anything that will help me live a more vital life. As you would say, I I've never thought about Mm -hmm. it that way, but I definitely have been like on a 15 year quest for like, what is right for me? Like, what is the right diet? What is the right workout? What is the right Mm -hmm. lifestyle? All of those things. Um, and I don't even have like a fitness coach, you know, it's hard to find a, like, how do you find a good match for you? Like, Yeah, but it's not, see, that's the thing is that I don't think it's because I don't think you haven't found a coach because they're not out there. I think you just haven't owned the fact that you are autonomous, right? So it looks like with your search, 
on the outside looking in, people could look at that and be like, oh, she's still searching, so she must be lost. It's like, actually, no, you're actually striving for your potential, right? So how does one strive for the potential? They have to continually learn about things, right? So finding a new therapist every couple of years or adapting to a new fitness program or trying something out, like that's not a lost soul. That's someone who's directed towards trying to find their highest potential. So you can see it's all about the language that we use yeah. based on that. But that's one thing I wanted to point out is that there's a huge number of people who we need, people like you, using the terms like I'm autonomous. I'm doing this on my own and I'm fully confident that I'm going to be okay doing it. It's just that a lot, a lot of us don't want to tell people that. We don't want to say it. And that's my big hard thing is like trying to get people to realize, no, you can do this. You know, you can do this. It's fairly simple. And you just got to have the confidence to know how to adapt, which is beautifully just laid out in your story there. You know, you do this thing and then you adapt and you do yeah. this thing and you adapt, but you're still going upward, right? Yeah. You're, you're going like this, right? It, it's it's a cycle, a but it's an upward cycle. Yeah, but well, but you know, that's the, that's the journey. That is the path. That's the path. And that's how it's done. Um, yeah. Anyways, I quit a lot of jobs in my twenties. Let me tell you. So I, I hear you. And I, it wasn't until I met Mark that I really, yeah, a lot of tears, a lot of searching, a lot of searching, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but you're, but you were working towards your potential the whole time. Yeah. And do you guys with OPEX, is there like a, like, can you connect if someone's listening and they're thinking like, man, I really would love to work with someone who like is in this trained in this modality or has this philosophy, like, can they find a match through OPEX or like, where would you direct them? Yeah, I would say, uh, well, it, it could be through OPEX. I'd, I'd be really nice if, you know, you were in an area where we had an OPEX gym or there was an OPEX coach who could like have a good conversation with you. Cause that's basically what we do up front. But I would ask that person uh, who's listening in if, for the, if you've never heard of OPEX in the beginning, or you don't know where to start. I would say do your research, right? You gotta you gotta go out there and that coach who's on the other end that you ask questions about that has to be good for you and suitable for your lifestyle. Um, up front, they should have at least you know sixty to ninety minutes uh, unpaid. You know, I would say to start where they just want to have a conversation with you. That should be the first like relationship building aspect, and that that so the listeners go find someone who yes, has the skills in behavior, exercise, nutrition to help you for the vitality concept. But um, I think they're going to be able to say, hey, you know, what's most important for us is to sit down, is to sit down face to face and have a conversation. So then you and the, you as a client can then say, well, these are my things and how I see the world in regards to what fitness is. And then the coach gets their opportunity, right? For a couple of minutes, at least to talk back and say, well, this is what I think what might possibly be best for you. And then the client says, well, these are the things that I'm coming on board with in this relationship. And then the coach says, well, these are the things that I would have as expectations, as well as where to take this, how I can help you and how we may have to use other areas as resources to help. Do you see that? That all culminates in a 60 to 90 minute, you know, at least a conversation where at the end, the, the client can go, you know what, it's probably not the best for me. Mm -hmm. But what the only other option today, Morgan, is available is for them to just knock on the door and then all of a sudden they're in this whirlwind, sensational lights and camera and fast shit. And they get spit out on the other end. They're breathing really hard and they're sweating, right? And they don't even know where they are. And the, and the coach is like, so sign up now. 
Yeah. And the, cl- the client's like, oh, yeah, I guess if I'm going to be getting that all the time, I guess we should do this. So that that's not, of course, it, I'm just painting a picture, but that's essentially what it is. <laughs> you know, so you can see how people get lost in that fray, right? Is yeah. they don't get to speak to a coach who's just like, geez, well, you know, what's your fitness experience? Right. How many coaches have you had in the past? Right. Um, and then you can even, you know, you can get into some humorous stuff with people, right? What's your thoughts on coconut oil? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just giggle at that because, you know, clients come back and forth every six weeks with, you know, it being, uh, it being the answer or it's going to kill you. So yeah. MCT too, that one's quite controversial. Yes. Like, but, but I mean, that's, that's you want to discuss those things, yeah, you know, yeah. like take some time to go back and forth with people. So, so that's what I would tell your listeners is if yeah. you can't go to OPEX, opexfit.com, or if you can't go to an OPEX gym in your area, just go and and do your research. And, uh, uh, you know, that's a bit of a burden on you. I know it, but um, you got to do the hard work. If you want to find a path for vitality, there are professionals out there who are willing to help you, but uh, they shouldn't have a front end uh, mania fitness assessment that's going to, you know, uh, get you in the door. Yeah, no, I like that. And I think establishing expectations up front is key, right? Otherwise, you don't even know. For sure. Yeah. Okay, so what is LearnRx? This is like a new venture, something you recently started. Tell us about that. Yeah, we uh, are just basically making a tiptoeing attempt as to how to jump over coaches and reach the public. And uh, this is our way of offering that initial you know, starting point to the public on what we would call fitness education. Um, so in layman's terms for what people would recognize that's currently out there today, it's, it's like masterclass, you know, where you have, you know, um, I can't say, you know, I I would love to say I'm at the level of Neil deGrasse Tyson, which is one of my favorite masterclasses that I've taken, uh, was his, but, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, speaking to someone, you know, for 40 minutes, anyone like a 12 year old, right. On the concepts of space that's me, you know, so I have a 30 minute class that the public can get access to, where I talk about the basics of patterns and pacing. And that comes in the format of what's called LearnRx. So that's what our attempt is to do is to, is to finally go out into the public. And this is our first venture into that, to try to get our information out there on basic stuff. Cool. Now, who is Neil deGrasse Tyson? What is this? (laughs) Sorry. um, I don't even know what his title is, but uh, he's very curious. Oh yeah, well there you go. Um, uh, I, I should uh, get some kickbacks from masterclass on that, but uh, he's a uh, a scientist and a cosmologist, and uh, um, he is deeply I- invested in answering all the questions of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on that, uh, it sounds pretty you know huge, but it, that's basically what he's up to doing. So do your investigations and, uh, and start with the masterclass, which is a low cost. You can do okay. it one time as well. Very and, cool. um, and then you, you can see what I was using as a, as an example, like, for example, I've done Serena Williams, uh, masterclass, right. Uh, and my girls have watched her, her masterclass on, on tennis participation. Um, what other ones have I've done? Dead mouse. I don't know if you know what yeah. who dead mouse is or, okay, well I've done that as well. I've recognized that I'll never be never be able to do what he does, which is kind of yeah. cool, but at least I got to see some of the inner workings, you know? So, so that's what LearnRx is, Morgan, is to basically cool. an attempt for us to get out into the public and talk about some of these things that uh, um, we think they should hear. 
I love it. Okay. So we have a few minutes left. I just have some quick, like kind of random questions for you. So what are you most excited about these days in health and wellness that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, Most excited about, uh, there's not a lot that I'm excited about in health and wellness these days. (laughs) (laughs) Just being honest. I Um, I love it. Nothing. Not much. No. Oh, not even learn RX or some of your own stuff. I mean, it seems like you guys are. Oh, yeah, sure. There you go. CrossFit, are you excited, excited about? about... Cro- we still didn't talk about CrossFit. So really Fuck quick, no, I'm not excited you... about CrossFit. Okay. Yeah, I know, man. They've had kind of a rough goal of it. But give me the load on like how you even found CrossFit because it was pretty new when you got into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it was it was existence for a number of years prior to it, but, but only um, I had a client. Years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a client who was a. Uh, it was a fighter who uh, went to this fight camp and a number of the fighters were doing this thing called CrossFit. He came back. This was 2004, I think. And he said, uh, hey, Fitz, you got to check this out because he knew I was in like trying to figure out all the newest yeah, fitness yeah. things and trends and et cetera. And this thing coming out of California. And uh, so I looked online, checked it out, started doing the workouts. And hey, over time. I just became really disciplined in doing them all the time. And, um, it should just make sense that uh, I became really good at them, you know, with my background in, uh, in education and training and coaching and experience as a kid, you know, just worked really well for me. Cool. And then how did you go on to win? Uh, well, you know, I was, you know, pre games, you know, there was a time people can't believe this, but there was a time there's no such thing as CrossFit games. (laughs) And, uh, so what what people would do every day believe it or not we would just work out every day you know which is also crazy to understand um because everyone thinks everyone's life revolves around the crossfit games today who are who are inside that um where we used to just get up every day and the workout be posted and we just compete and then you would put your scores online right so uh, i did that for numerous years and uh so when they said oh now we're going to have an in-person competition it should make sense that I should be one of the top people if I was always, you know, in the top scoring online for those years. Right. So they had an in-person competition finally, which is 2007. Um, they called it the, I don't even know if they called the CrossFit games at the time, but competition. And I won that. And, uh, but, but it does make sense. You know, I was, I was in there for a number of years. I was, you know, my early thirties, I think I was 32 or 33, um, at the peak of my physical career, you know, this was something new. The talent pool wasn't super high, you know, which is something also that's important to remember. Um, I love it. So, Very cool. And are you still involved in CrossFit at all these days or no more CrossFit for you? No, no. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm more involved by trying to shed the connection. That's what I'm more involved in doing, if that is any connection, yeah. if that is anything. Um, and uh, that's my own journey. That's my own stuff to kind of work on. Um, that was a, that was a good part of my life, you know, where I learned a lot of things. Um, it, I learned a lot of things that I, that, uh, I would say I wouldn't do inside of fitness and fitness building and business building. And, you know, uh, you know, it gave me great perception as to how the public and, and, uh, individuals are tied into what fitness is. It gave me, uh, yeah, just great analysis of that, but, uh, I'm trying to do my thing um, and, uh, and hopefully I can, you know, make some impact on coaches' minds for what these, uh, truths and principles are. Very cool. Okay. I'm lightening it up. What's your go-to breakfast? 
Applegate sausages, uh, a gluten-free cinnamon raisin toast, and banana. I'm just looking over my shoulder because I think that's what I had this morning, but that's probably generally the, the general go-to. Yeah. Yeah. I'm big on the Applegate sausages over here myself, to be quite honest. Um, okay. What's the worst thing you've ever done for your own health and vitality? Oh, well, on the back end of your previous conversation, uh, was probably participate in CrossFit. Um, there was some points in time in there where, um, I wasn't physically capable. I didn't train enough. Um, and I shouldn't have, uh, signed up for, um, some competitions, some competitions, particularly one in 2009 that I did. And, uh, I just barely made it through and, uh, you know, you want to, you want to, you know, combine all those things we know about athletic failure or system failure, you know, the bonking organ failure, post-traumatic, you know, issues, you know, uh, you know, medical intervention therapy for a couple of years, just to get you back up and running. That was, that was my, that was my story. So, I would say, I would say that, that participation, I'm still paying that price now. I'm just hoping that, uh, I'm not going to have any, uh, metabolic or cognitive issues come up down the road that, uh, just rear its ugly head because of that exposure for so long. Yeah. And is this why you, cause when you were, we were talking earlier, you were mentioning like, I think I've got 25, 30 years before I need like robotic parts. So you're just assuming like the wear and tear that you're going to need some knee replacement, shoulder stuff. Yeah. You don't plan on dropping yeah. dead at 77. You are more just. Planning. Well, well, you know, you know, you know, humans die from genetic predispositions, wear and tear or the buildup of toxins. There's only, there's only three, <laughs> there's three methods, right. Without of course, acute issues. But, um, and when I mean mechanically, like the material items, like my adrenals, right. Uh, my pancreas, um, <clears throat> my brain. You know, these are material items that uh, need to operate. And, uh, and if they've been stressed at a point in time, when physically they're at their peak of operation, um, I'm just being realistic. My, my philosophy isn't, isn't that uh, the opposite, which a lot of people seem to think is like, oh, when you got lots of piss and vinegar between 25 to 40 years of age, just fucking go for it. And then that'll end up in you having this unbelievable life from 40 to 85. That's a fucking lie. That's a lie, actually. Uh, so you putting all your investment into all your resources from 25 to 40 actually results in you burning out a whole lot of things that it's going to take you a shit ton of medicine <laughs> to help you from 45 to 80 years of age. So I'm, when I mention those things, I'm being just honest, <laughs> right? Yeah. And realistic. Uh, I'm also, I also know that I'm acting as a, I, I need to act as someone who's, if not a role model, someone who's honest enough to talk about the truths in that. I will certainly not be the athlete that stands up at 65 and says, oh, that was, I learned so many things. Everyone should partake in that. It's like, no, I'm going to tell you the truth, right? Oh, you want, you know, you want uh, two fake shoulders, two fake hips, two fake knees. You want to be pumping yourself with hormones that cost you 1500 bucks a month. You want to have medications that are basically you know, you're lean, but you've got medication to keep you from being insulin resistant uh, because you kicked the shit out of your pancreas and your gut for so many years. Like this is reality. <laughs> so when I say 25, 30 years, I'm just putting, I'm just putting yeah. dots together based upon how I'm operating now at 47 and 48 and what I can and cannot do. Um, and I've always, I've always been pretty aware of that. Um, yeah. So, Hey, 
and, you know, shoot for the stars, right? You know, if I, if I get 25 years or 30 years, geez, you know, I'm going to be freaking happy with that. Yeah. I'll be yeah. happy. I like it. Um, are you doing anything to like offset any of this damage? Like are any supplements? Yeah. Stuff? yeah, you are. Anything like, yeah. tell us the, tell us some good hacks that you're, that you're utilizing. <laughs> Well, they're, they're personal. So I'll leave it at that without enclosing exactly what I'm doing. Um, but it's nothing too far from the basics, you know, um, and they may be like, you know, versions of the basics, but, uh, um, the basics meaning, you know, track your poo, um, and see what that's like as an investment, as a, you know, sorry, an assessment into, you know, an indirect analysis of your, of your digestive health. Um, I track my daily energy levels, my sleep and wake cycles. Um, I track my sunlight exposure. Um, I track my hydration levels. Um, How are you and I track my things, by the way, is this like an aura ring whoop? What are you using? Uh, for, for, for what specifically for all of them? How are you tracking sleep? Oh, oh, you just, I just know when I go to bed, I know oh, when I okay. wake up. Got it. Yeah. Um, and you know, how do I track the sunlight? Well, I just go outside and I'm just okay. exposed to it. <laughs> and uh, how do I track my poo? Well, I just look in the toilet. Um, you know, how do I track my energy? I just take a second to go, well, how's your mental acuity right now after that meal? Or how are you doing throughout the day? Um, again, Morgan, these basic things that don't require yeah, yeah, the yeah. complexity, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and there's a lot more, I would say underneath that, but I, I'm hesitant to like give you the what yeah. I guess people may want to hear because it's personal. Fair and enough. also I certainly don't want to use it as a beacon, <laughs> um, but uh, it should, without me even saying anything, people should hear very clearly that um, I, I, I am not the pinnacle of health. I should, you know, I shouldn't be observed as that. So don't listen to any of my quote unquote things that I'm doing personally. Uh, I'm doing that because I kicked the shit out of my system for 10 to 15 years. So, and I, you know, I, uh, I don't have any regrets of that expression, but I'm certainly not going to use what I do right now, um, as a, as a promotion of vitality. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. My last one for you, ask everyone this, but what's something we all know this though, Morgan primal mayo is the answer. Like, I okay, mean, I, I wake I up it. myself, I eat it with everything. I mean, that's, I love answer. it. That's what everyone wants to hear. This is good. That is what everyone wants to hear myself in particular. Um, what is something about you that most people don't know? This is my final question for you. Gosh, you know, I even answered that for myself on a bike ride a couple of weeks ago. And now I can't remember what I thought that answer would be. <laughs> uh, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm very uh, inquisitive and curious. I read a lot. I, like I think that. people know that about, I, I read a lot. That could fiction be or nonfiction? Fiction or nonfiction or both? Uh Fiction would be like uh, stories, uh, fig right? Figuratives. Yeah. yeah. Figurative. Like yeah. So definitely more nonfiction. Got it. Um, learning. But uh, over the past, yeah, over the past couple of years, I, uh, I've got into some fiction uh, for just the interest in stories and how stories can bring about creativity and teach lessons and, and et cetera. So I've been, been digging that. Nice. I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was such a great, deep conversation. I really enjoyed getting to know you. And I think our audience is going to be super excited about this chat. Um, let everyone know where they can find you and what you're up to one more time. And then we'll sign off. 
Yeah, opexfit.com. That's where you can get everything. Fabulous. We love it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Morgan. Thanks for the questions and uh, good luck with uh, your continual upgrade in your potential. (laughs) Thank you. I'll need it.